Welcome to episode 183 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we're back this week with, uh, unsurprisingly, some more Justice League. Yes, we are. Uh, the only two remaining episodes of the season that I didn't really remember for the okay. most part. Because I pretty much remember everything else is about to, to come next. Um, so we're talking Secret Society. Which is surprising because these are good episodes. I really enjoyed these, minus one big caveat. <laughs> Two-ish big caveats. They're both connected to the same Three thing. Three big caveats. <laughs> <laughs> my real problem is with Superman this episode. Superman is a dick, and he's a problem to the team. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I, I think I think the reason these kind of disappeared in the background of my not like my memory is that pretty much everything that happens after this is very memorable. Yeah. I won't say what, because I don't think you really know what's coming up until Starcross. Starcross? I don't think you've never stopped talking about. Even before Starcross. It's been spoiled for me many times over at this point. Even before Starcross, like the next two two two-parters, the one single-parter, are all very memorable for distinct okay. reasons. And I won't say why they're memorable. I, I mean, I maybe once I start them, something will trigger in my memory. Okay. Uh but no, from from what I understand, this episode won't have any like long term repercussions. When I Not feel like it really. should, really. I mean, it, it it introduces a lot more of the rogues gallery. That's true, and, that, and they will pop up in JLU. Yeah, a lot of them are gonna pop up a lot in JLU. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, yeah, it's not a um, big universe changing episode really yeah and there's which again i feel like it should be i mean kind of what i found interesting about these two is and we'll get into why but to me it kind of reminded me of the third season of btos when it would take an established villain or in this case it's like the established idea of an anti-justice league Mm -hmm. and does something different with them yes and I like that. I like that they did something a little bit different. It's not just the injustice gig once again. It's right. Yeah. Well, and it's also, you know, as I always love to bring up the non DCAU young justice, <laughs> this is another storyline that we had in young justice, especially the concept of like, who is the leader of the justice league? You need someone to take charge every now and then. Yeah. And they had that whole like three episode subplot in young justice of like Robin wants to lead, mm-hmm. but he's 12 <laughs> and he can't because he's 12. <laughs> But he has that... Flash can't because he's a child at heart, even though he's, you know, slightly older. Miss Martian can't because she's new to Earth and doesn't understand the rules. Superboy can't because he's six months old. So I guess it has to be Aqualad because Speedy's being, you know, an overdramatic teenager. Okay, but also... He's also a clone. Also, (laughs) Aqualad is actually, like, a genuinely good leader. He is, yeah, but he he didn't want to lead. Which is what you should want out of your leaders. Exactly. That was the whole point of the episode. Yes. I, and whereas, that had repercussions for the rest of season one. Yeah. Whereas in Justice League, I don't think anyone wants to be the leader, really. No. And because also everyone knows that Batman just runs the show. Yeah, everyone knows it's going to be Batman, yeah. but no one wants to admit that it's Batman. Well, and he doesn't actually declare himself as the leader. He just orchestrates things in the background all the time. There was a, this is a, a slight tangent, but it's also kind of interesting. And I think it's important for people who are working from home right now. Um, someone talked about creating an influence chart for your office to see who like truly holds, holds power in conversation. Okay. And you basically, when you're in a meeting, you make kind of like, uh, circles for every person that's on the call or in the, in the room and you direct arrows for like, if, you know, if Carol is talking to Monica, mm-hmm. that's an arrow to Monica. And so you can see, you do that with every person that talks directly to someone else. Okay. And so you can see exactly who 
is trying to be heard because mm-hmm. they'll have the most arrows out. Yeah. And who has the most influence because they'll have the most arrows in. <laughs> and so, I just find that really fascinating. No, it is an interesting idea. And it works because you think about the Justice League. Batman would have all the arrows in. And yeah, like not maybe, a single one out. And maybe one out. <laughs> yeah. And even then it's like, he glared. I think we count that. Yeah, he glared at Flash. <laughs> I think that was a Flash. I think I think that counts. But yeah, he's clearly the leader. Just no one wants to admit that he's a leader. Yeah. Because he also just doesn't give a fuck for the most part. Exactly. But yeah, no, these these were interesting episodes. Uh, I'm glad you liked them. I did. Yeah. Minus I, the, the two glaring problems. Well, we'll we'll get into those glaring problems. So why don't we go ahead and kick things off here uh, with a quick summary that's going on. And so uh, in this episode, after Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter fail to capture Shade... Uh, GL decides the Justice League needs to practice working as a team. Meanwhile, uh, Shade is recruited by Gorilla Grant to join his new team of villains, the Secret Society. And that's kind of mostly the setup here of this first episode. Mm-hmm. These two stories are mostly kind of running in parallel up until they all get together at the very end. Right. Which is what we always loved about BTOS. I yeah. I said I'm not going to interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt you. <laughs> um, you made it, it so far. Yeah. It is, it is a story for at least part one of them the villains have nothing to do with the heroes yeah and that is the best kind of villain story is Mm -hmm. the heroes trying to figure out what the problem is and and trying to intercept it yeah on its way towards goal well let's start out by talking about the secret football analogy i missed it entirely (laughs) sports let's start out by talking the secret society because i think the the plot thread of the team figuring out how to work together as a team will kind of segue better into the finale so let's talk about what the secret society is up to here starting with the different members Mm -hmm. this is an interesting collection of people they brought together here it's almost a hero for villain one-to-one situation happening or at least there are some villains brought in here that are clearly designed to be uh specific antagonists for certain heroes right so we have giganta in her first appearance who is a Wonder Woman villain, mm-hmm. who I guess this original Giganta is supposed to be a lot different than the ones from the comics or even like the Super Friends show back in the day. Yes. I don't really know much about her, but Neither in, the, do I. in the, the cursory research that I did for this podcast, apparently Giganta in the comics and in the old superhero TV shows is a little bit more, um, for lack of a better word, like gruff and masculine, whereas here they played her much more kind of feminine and girly. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it's kind of a nice contrast. Like a a character, usually if you have a really, in this case, tall, but even when she's like normal height for her, she's still much taller than anyone around her. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes you have that kind of character, they're just automatically labeled as very, very masculine. It was kind of a nice contrast for her to be actually very feminine and fun and flirty. Yeah, I mean, well, that that's the Starfire thing in the comics, at least. Starfire is oh, tall. Yeah. Starfire is like she's always taller than Nightwing. Mm-hmm. She's I would think she's like six four or something like that. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, they they kind of had to contrast her from Killer Frost because they made her incredibly masculine yeah. as a female character. Uh, same voice actor too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which is kind of interesting, and yeah. you wouldn't guess that unless I wouldn't have assumed that unless I read it because it mm-hmm. is a very different take. But yeah, Killer Frost by contrast has played very tough. Yeah. The masculine. Uh, yeah, very hot topic. Because <laughs> I don't want to call her masculine because she's, she, you know, she's not like bulging with muscle or she's not. No, that's you know, true. Like, yeah, that's a good point. She's not playing into the masculine trope. She, she's kind of just like a goth character. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's very hot topic. Yeah. 
But yeah, so we get Gigantic first appearance. We get the return of Sinestro, which that always, must have made you always, excited. Always excited. Because that was the first one you see after Shade. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Sinestro. Sinestro. Oh, man. It's a Green Lantern story, but it's yeah. not, but it kind of is. Because I, I forgot that he had such a long absence. Because the last time we saw him, I think, was the Superman episode in Brightest Day with Kyle Rayner, right? Okay, yeah. The, I, was, I was trying to remember because he was in Static. That's true. He did but pop that up. that would have not happened yet. Um, I forget. I mean, it's it's roughly around the same time. Yeah. Um, I guess yeah, pretty pretty close. But I I suppose that's true. The, the last I guess that was the last time we saw him. I keep forgetting sometimes because I don't know. I know it's all canon, but sometimes the static appearances from like other DC characters feel a little. I don't want to say unofficial, but they are less concerned with an ongoing continuity. I would say they're yeah. more just kind of throwing it, it, it's for the kind fun of, of in it. a parallel world. Yeah, exactly. Of sorts. So, but you're right. I, I had forgotten about that. He pops up there, but um, yeah. I mean, this was. It had been a generally a pretty long time since we had seen him. Uh, four months after this. Four months after this. Okay. Episode, yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, I guess yeah. So this was his first appearance in years mm-hmm. since Superman animated series, and I, I do love Sinestro, and like so many characters, I first discovered them because of this show. Yeah. And so this is my original love for Sinestro comes from this. Um, plus, you know, the great Ted Levine's doing the voice. Yeah, I was going to say, like, he's, he only gets cooler in every direction you see. Yeah. Like, Sinestro is just always a cool character. Did it also bring you joy that he actually makes constructs? Yes, it did. <laughs> They're so good. And did you notice that because of that, GL actually had to make some constructs of his own? He did. He made a lot time? more bendy walls he than made... straight walls. Look, he made some bendy walls. He made a shield. Yeah. He made a... Uh, Which is just kind of a wall. It's kind of a wall, but it's a stylized yeah, wall. Yeah, it's a shaped wall. <laughs> he made a decoy. He did. We have seen him do that before, though. When did he do that before? Maybe I'm thinking... <laughs> are, of are you thinking of a comic? The Green Lantern series that I've been watching. <laughs> Fair enough. At the end of the day, like... The reason that we, is, yes, that is from the series. That's from the opening episode of the series. I think it's fair to say, too, like, the reason we keep forgetting these things is, one, as we say all the time, once we're done recording the episode, we forget everything we yeah, have seen or talked about. Uh, brain flush. Yeah. Also, we've been doing this now for over four years. Also, we still consume so much other non-DCAU DC content that it's constantly getting mixed up together. Yes. So... <laughs> Which is why we're constantly relying on our dear friends over at the Watchtower database to correct us, as I'm sure they will now. But yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the first time in the DCAU yes, GL it, makes uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. a decoy. But that's like that's the most construct construct he's made so far, yeah. right? It actually had like lines and details and was, did it was, things. It was cool. It's such a good strategy too. Yeah. Now, to your point though, one could say that it's ba- if this, if a shield is just a stylized wall, this decoy was just a stylized beam. Yeah, basically. It didn't really do anything. It was basically more or less just a static fixture flying off into the distance. But it was strategy. And that it is was. my biggest problem with this episode, which will I'll let you finish your part before I <laughs> give the deep dive into All right. my problems. All right. Well, at least we had some Sinestro to bring you some, uh, you know, ring construct joy. Um, and obviously he is infamously a Green Lantern villain. We have Parasite reteaming. Uh, not reteaming, but going up against Superman once again. Mm-hmm. Another character we haven't seen since Superman animated series. Right. So fun to see him return. And then uh, Gorilla Grodd, who's orchestrating all this, and Shade are both Flash villains. I was always in the impression that Killer Frost was a Flash villain, I think because of the CW show. Yeah, same. Apparently, Killer Frost is usually considered a Firestorm villain. That's right, yeah. Which well, kind of... Yeah, and also 
I think Young Justice has shaped a little bit because we oh, see yeah. all the Frost villains together. That's true. And you kind of just think all of them are for Flash now. <laughs> well, they actually would work well to stop the Flash. They just lay down some ice and he can't yeah. run. It's brilliant. Yeah. So there's um, who's who's the main one that we Captain always see? Captain Cold. Captain Cold. Thank mm-hmm. you. Captain Cold, Icicle, Icicle Jr. Killer Frost. Killer Frost, Mr. Freeze, which is obviously Batman. Yeah. Um, and I think there's even more than that, but those are, you know, four already yeah. listed that are mostly Flash villains. Exactly. And there are three different Killer Frosts. Yeah. Too. And I don't know if it's ever confirmed which one this is. I, I think it's supposed to be the second Killer Frost. Okay. I don't know. I don't know that much. I don't know. I know that the third Killer Frost is Caitlin Snow, who's also one of the CW, who is sometimes also a hero. Yeah. So. Uh, Danielle Panabaker. Exactly. Girl. What's, what was her character's name in Sky High again? Um, Plant Lady, but. Yes. Hold on. Will Stronghold <laughs> and. It's not coming. Oh, okay. Time's yeah. up. <laughs> it's fine. Well, I keep ranting. You'll look it up, I'm sure. Um, and then, you know, we kind of get through all this. I'm like, well, wait, where's where's the Batman villain? You feel like Batman should have one, too. And that's because they're holding on to that one because the first mission the Secret Society goes on is to rescue, or I guess more accurately, free Clayface from the collection of Morgan Edge. Yeah. And it was one of those moments where I didn't remember this episode literally up until they make reference to the containers. I'm like, wait, <gasps> Clayface? Is it Clayface? And then sure enough, it's Clayface. I'm like, yes! I was shocked. Yeah? On, like, honestly shocked. I yeah. was not expecting that. And, and also, again, being influenced by the other DC media, mm-hmm. um, the animation on him was so good in these episodes. It is. I think because they, like, all the animators, like, sharpen their skills doing ink mm-hmm. for three episodes. Oh, okay, yeah. If, if you compare it to the early, you know, Batman and New Batman episodes... He's still liquidy, but he's he's not this like fluid mm-hmm. as you see here, and it, it's like it's very much. I feel like they traced over some ink sketches no, for they, this movement. They may have, and I think you know it, it kind of makes sense too because you think about you know the Beatos era. Some of the animation is great. Mm-hmm. Some of it is very sloppy. I think it's fair to say it's inconsistent at least. Yeah, um, and that style was much more rounded and kind of fluid and then the new batman adventures we've talked about this was deliberately designed to be easier on the animators in terms of the physical designs and some of the animation so i think it was meant to be a little bit cheaper to some degree although i think for the most part it looks really good but i i think this show is the best looking show and it's consistently good looking i think you're right that they maybe honed their skills a little bit on batman beyond mm-hmm. and here he i mean here yes he's a batman villain but for most of these two episodes, he's going toe-to-toe against Martian Manhunter. Makes sense. They have a much more similar power set. Yeah. But I feel like they also had to step up their game on both characters. Like, if you're going to have two shape-shifting characters go head-to-head, you actually have to sh- highlight their abilities. They do right. a really good job with yeah. that. Oh, sorry. To, to finish my earlier thought, uh, I before because I didn't even think Clayface at first. For some reason, in my mind, I couldn't get off Plasmus from Teen Titans. Oh, okay. Because he's... Because uh, in the, the opening episode of... Teen Titans, which is technically episode three of Teen Titans, um, is when the team breaks up because they can't defeat Plasmus. Oh, and it's Plasmus okay. And Cinderblock teaming up with the Hive, uh, the Hive Kids. Oh, okay. Um, and that's when Cyborg and Robin have their big split. Okay, so you were you're conflating your DC team up breakups. Yes, I mean that's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> both fair. of both of which are great. Yeah. But yeah, so they they get the whole team together and then. The ultimate goal is essentially to cause 
the Justice League to break up, which eventually happens. But so while this team is forming, while they're going and capturing, um, not capturing, but freeing Clayface, GL decides, hey, we need to work together as a team again. And so he takes them out to some random shooting range in a Western ghost town yes. to run some drills. And I feel like this is now getting to the point where you're one big caveat. No, no not, not yet. yet. No, not not yet. Not okay. Yet. I mean, that being said, how did you feel about that whole sequence of them out there training in this old West town? So it didn't, it was a bad training regiment Mm -hmm. from, uh, from Green Lantern. It it makes sense for him because it's all kind of target practice esque. Yeah. And it feels like things that would be good ring training. Yes. But not good. Cause like the, the one thing we see is like all of Superman's villains popping up in cardboard form yeah. and him just lasering them yes. when he would never laser <laughs> Lex or mix his pit lick or the third one we see, who I don't remember anymore. Uh, it was Brainiac, Dark Brainiac, Side, yeah. he, he Lex would, and mix yeah. his pit lick. Yeah. He, he would, he would laser laser uh, Brainiac and Dark Side. Yeah. But he's not going to laser anyone else. And then like almost lasering a child, <laughs> like there's no, and I understand that like they're all kind of frustrated right now. They kind of yeah. like, get it over with. But like you can punch just as fast. Yeah, it. And you're right. It would work well for a green, like a, a ring training sequence, but only for this version of Green Lantern who only shoots beams. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, the best thing to train a Green Lantern would be to throw really unexpected things at him. So you have to improvise and come up with clever constructs on the fly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, here is basically just a shooting gallery, which makes sense for. John Stewart. Right. And you know, you have to have a couple Zeta style robots. Yeah. That, that's kind of, it was a fun smash. little nod to see that yeah. thrown in there. Yeah. The old school Zeta. Yeah. The original Zeta with the, the weird boomerang head. Mm-hmm. So. And just watch him get smashed over and over again. That brought <laughs> so much just like <laughs> catharsis. I, I was messaging with, uh, Cal and Liam at the DCA review this week on Twitter. Cause they, they posted, um, something about how like, they're just not, Oh, it was the, the, Picture that's been released of the Joker in Justice League, in Zack mm-hmm. Snyder's Justice League, when he's looking like even more hot topic than Killer Frost. Yeah. And he's looking all sad. And they put that up with the caption of, you know, us thinking about having to review Zeta at some point. And I was like, it's fine. There's maybe <laughs> one good episode in there. Sure. Yeah. yeah the finale, part two. I feel like I feel like both finales were kind of decent, right? Mm-hmm. If I recall-ish. And they were fine. Was that one with the submarine, which I kind of liked, I think? That wasn't a finale. That that was no. It was yeah, a different yeah, yeah. one. But I yeah, think that, I that was like, a good episode. I think I kind of like that one. Yeah, but I was basically like, I'm I don't sorry. know where the benchmark is for good anymore. <laughs> I even said that. Like, the, the bar is just so low. I mean, we have a short list. I think it was like three episodes for season I, one. You know, the funny thing is, I was looking back at our short lists and I didn't find it. Oh, that's for the best. <laughs> we did one. I know we did one. Yeah, but I didn't write it down. Because yeah, because we made an anti-short list. Oh, that's right. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are no necessary episodes. No, the whole thing can absolutely be skipped. I don't think we even included the Zeta episodes of Batman Beyond. I, I think we did because we had to. Oh, I, you're right. I think we did because we assumed we had to include them because it would set up the introduction of... Um, unless it was season we, one, I don't think we did. Because um, I don't have a season one list here. No. Oh, sorry. I, I misheard you. I thought you, Because there was... Were there two Beyond episodes, or was there one Beyond and one Zeta? There was, okay, I think, maybe there, I think there were three then total, three okay, crossovers. Okay, so Because there was the, the original introduction of Zeta when he had the weird boomerang head. Yep. And then there was one more where they brought Ro in. I think, wasn't there a Batman Beyond when Ro appeared as well? I thought there was 
It doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. None of this matters. <laughs> None of it matters. But anyways, yeah, they're trashing some Zetabots out in this this Western town thing. And then, of course, um, Batman just doesn't want to participate. Well, yeah, because of all the people like who would be doing obstacle courses like this, Batman would have this down yeah. and be doing this all by himself. And mm-hmm. Superman has this great speech of like, I take the hits so no one else on the team has to. Yeah. Batman should have jumped in of like, well, how about just none of us take the hits? Because that's how I fucking run. I would have much preferred it if in that moment, Batman pulled out the kryptonite ring and just clocks your man in the face. So <laughs> that is, uh, okay, I'm going to get into the, I'm going to get into my biggest caveat with these episodes. All right, let me give you lots of room here to Yeah, vent. I mean, the biggest problem is like you have Superman giving this speech twice, basically, of mm-hmm. like, I'm the most powerful person here. You all know that and I know that. Yeah. And I'm basically holding myself back to make you guys be better. And by doing that, I'm also taking the most damage because I'm indestructible. Mm-hmm. But we see twice that his indestructibility is a negative to the team because Parasite can just take it. Yeah. So you like that needed to be brought up at some point of like, hey, Superman, like, yeah, you're good. But like, what if that power happened to be for somebody else? How would we deal with that? How would you deal with it if you were no longer indestructible? Because you're not anymore. You were zapped twice by this. Uh, and so, like, what they, like, uh, from Green Lantern or Batman, there's, there's like, a priority target list you have to hit. Mm-hmm. And I made a list, and I, and I have it here. Okay, like, all what right. It, what is the priority list? And then you can also come in with your, you know, if, if you think any of this is wrong. Of okay. Like, who are the highest priority targets when taking out these teams? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, obviously they're going to do one-on-ones, because that's how animation works. Yes. Because it's more fun. But, like... Fucking, you get out Parasite first. That is top priority. You take him out immediately, as fast as you can. Because if he touches Manhunter, you're screwed. If he touches Superman, you're screwed. If he touches Wonder Woman, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Flash, he did, but they were able to catch him because I guess mm-hmm. he just didn't understand how worth the power. But like, if he catches five of the seven members, they're immediately at a disadvantage. So I, I concur with your assessment. Yeah, take, take him, him out, out first. Immediately. Yeah, he's priority one. Okay. Uh, I think two is Sinestro. Because he, he has range damage. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing this based off of <laughs> <laughs> video game tactics. No, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So you, you want to get your 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 squishy your, your squishy range characters out next. So that's mm-hmm. Sinestro, Killer Frost. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Grodd is next because even though he's more tanky comparative to the others, he's dealing a lot of mental damage, which is right. something you got to get rid of pretty quick. Because no got- one has. No, no one is adept to mental damage. Yeah, like, he's no got has, that psionic ability. Yeah, there's no Zatanna to help balance that out. Well, um, Martian Manhunter is telepathic. Yeah, but it doesn't do anything. That's true. Yeah, we, we, could, we could have a whole episode of this podcast dedicated to the fact that Martian Manhunter is the most powerful member of the League, and it's never shown. Yeah, like, I mean, this episode, like, they do a great job with him in this episode. They, but it's, it's still not showing his full power set. They do for the most part, but they have that moment where... You know, he points out that he's a telepath, so he can, like, see something coming. But he's constantly, not in this episode necessarily, but over the course of the whole series, like, getting hit by surprise, even though he's a telepath. Yeah. Well, he also makes point multiple times of, like, oh, it's against Martian code to just, like, read someone's mind without their... um, Yeah. What's the word? Consent. Consent, thank you. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Without their consent. But then in this, like, they make it sound like, Green Lantern at least, makes it sound like you have a telepath on your team who always knows what's going on because he can just read someone else's mind on the team. But that's not what he does. Yeah. Like, Green Lantern, you should also be in this training, yeah. John. 
I mean, again, you're talking about Young Justice. That's something that Young Justice did really well right from the beginning is that they established that Miss Martian would telepathically connect all of them so they could cooperate silently. Yes. Together. But I think the egos here are a little bit too big. Well, and also Young Justice was meant to be a stealth team. Right. Because they were never meant to be in the spotlight until they were thrust into the spotlight in season two. Yes. But still. Obviously. It, it's a better team. Yeah. So, yeah. Parasite, top priority. Sinestro, Killer Frost, Grodd. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Shade is next because he's kind of a nuisance, but he's not like as big of a, a ranged problem as Sinestro or Killer Frost. Mm -hmm. Then Giganta is a pretty big problem. Not like she's kind of the least threat. She's kind of just there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if they, you know, get three people on her, then she'll be gone in two hits. Uh, and then Clayface is last. Because, like, while he's... I, I know I think he's a big problem, but he doesn't really show off his skills. He's more of like an initiary, like like initial problem of okay. making sure your team is all connected. But again, if Martian Manhunter does a mental link, that makes it a lot easier to figure out which one isn't Clayface. See, it's interesting because I would think I would actually put Clayface higher up on that list because even to your point, if he is not as strategic as the other villains. Like maybe he doesn't fully capitalize on his powers the way the others do. He is incredibly powerful. I mean, to the point where Grodd recruits him specifically because he's so powerful, even if he doesn't quite realize it. But not mm. only can he kind of become any sort of weapon in the same way that, say, Sinestro can, but he can pretend to be any of the other heroes, which he does at a few points. And he's less easily he's less squishy as you put it than sinestro like at the end of the day sinestro is still a you know a human-like being who's gonna yeah. have human-like vulnerabilities clayface does it i mean yes we call them glass cannons in video game terms in case okay. you're okay what sinestro is a glass cannon yeah okay that makes sense i like it but you know clayface yeah he can be taken out by water or ice but that kind of weakens him but it's hard to really take him out take him out which is why I think he should be left for last because he takes the most resources to, you know, actually get down. Okay. Whereas most of these other ones, it's kind of just a couple punches and they're out. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, also I, I say all that. And then in the second, or I guess the second part, we see Batman literally just incapacitated him with an electric grapple. Yeah. So. Twice. Twice. He's not particularly bright. No, and, and I think that is the like I like I said, he's great at the espionage side of his skill set. Yeah. Except when he doesn't understand yo. <laughs> um But you know, he, he is a good uh like combative villain. He just doesn't like on on a power not a power scale, on a uh like I guess like martial art scale, he mm -hmm. I don't think he's as comparable to some of these other ones. Like him and Giganta are both in the very much mindset of like just smash everything, yeah, and eventually I'll hit something. They have power but not skill. Yes, I think it's a good way of differentiating it. Whereas mm -hmm. to your point, I think Sinestro has both power and skill. Uh, Parasite has power. I don't know if he has skill necessarily, but his power is so strong that with minimal skill, right. he still poses a huge threat. And also, his power is immediately. De like incapacitating yeah. one of the league members that's true yeah it has a double effect it incapacitates and gives him more power yeah so like absolutely everyone should like batman immediately is like hey like you guys handle everything i'm gonna chill in the shadows and the second parasite shows up i'm gonna take him out yeah i'm the only one that can mm -hmm. and actually and yeah he would be the best person too because i suppose parasite could absorb his 
like memories and some of his strategic thinking, but Batman's capable of staying yeah, he out would know of how touch. To, he yeah. know how to deal with that. He would know how to evade, which no one else could seem to figure out. Exactly. But yeah. It was I, so frustrating to, for Superman to have this like cocky attitude for two whole episodes. Yeah. And then just be like, no, man, like you're immediately taken out twice by the same guy who you know already. It's yeah. not like a surprise character. You say his name. <laughs> you're all friends. Yeah. Oh, pals. Like you're, you're not wrong. And, I, and it's funny because the whole point of this episode from the Justice League side is that they don't know how to work together as a team. They don't have strategy. They don't have communication. Like they're not really an effective team in a lot of ways. They're just a bunch of more or less heavy hitters working in semi-cooperation. Yeah. But I didn't really feel like it did a good job actually highlighting that they don't work well together. The little things that go wrong here and there are just kind of obvious ones. Even during the training montage, Hawkgirl goes and swings her mace and blows up a, a Zeta bot, which then explodes. And she's like, well, how could I have known? And Geo points out, well, we have a telepath who could have told you and Superman has X-ray vision. He could have told you that what you were doing was a bad idea. And it's like, it's little moments like that that get the idea across, but seem a little bit superficial. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's also because we're so far into the series at this point, it seems odd to now yeah, have an episode this about be this. Like if this was, you know, episode five of season one. Yeah. Like if they replaced this with even just the first um, Injustice Gang episode. Yeah. Even though, you know, we, we need this to be later on because of that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that A story, or I guess that's, yeah, I guess the Justice League part of the A story. I, I, yeah, I call it the A story, yeah. If they just put that A story in the old Injustice episode, where you have Lex doing his thing on one side, and mm -hmm. like, you know, you can still keep Batman being the one that jumps ship from training and is then captured by the Injustice Gang. Yeah. Like, that still works as an episode, and it still works as a, like, hey, we're still new at this as a team, mm -hmm. and maybe we did just need to come together for that one thing. Maybe, like, after we beat the aliens, now we're done. Like, we've done it all together. Yeah. Like, we don't need this anymore. They just need to unite the seven. You, you know? need to unite the seven. Unite the seven. <laughs> I mean, the, the one problem is the first... Was it the first or the second Injustice Gang? But whichever Injustice Gang where they capture Batman and he takes them all down single-handedly also very much undermines the whole point of true. this episode. Yes, I also <laughs> forgot that that is how the episode ended, was Batman doing it all by himself. Yeah, like he gets captured inadvertently, but even while he's captured and tied up and literally just has his mouth to you know get his way out of things, he can only speak to escape, he undermines the entire Injustice game. Yeah. So it, it just, it's an interesting idea here. And it just didn't feel to me like it quite came together in the way it needed to, to really justify them ultimately kind of breaking up. Cause there's even like a weird moment where they have this kind of conflict out in the range. Batman basically just goes, fuck it. I'm out of here. Like, I don't need to be a part of this. You can waste your time figuring this stuff out, but this is, you know, call me when it's actually important. Yeah. So then he goes off to kind of investigate on his own. And we, we have a moment where, he is alone, seemingly alone in this like warehouse or chemical plant or something like that. And all of a sudden the rest of the, like, the secret society shows up and you know, Batman's like, Oh, you brought back up. I wish I had thought of that. And then the league busts. He's like, Oh wait, I did. The whole idea of Batman going off on his own, I think was kind of meant to be a bit of a red herring. So we assume that he's going to be on his own when the secret society shows up. And then of course the rest of the league is there. But again, it was like, they've 
handled that fight in the same way they kind of handle most fights, which is they mostly splinter off, do one-on-one sort of things, and they more or less have the upper hand kind of until the very last minute, and then, you know, the whole idea is like, ah, we, they got away, we didn't do good enough job because they escaped, well, let's just go ahead and break up. Yeah. And I know that they're going to justify that decision more in the beginning of part two, but for me, at least, the end of part one, it didn't really feel earned. I don't know if you, how did you feel no, about I, that? No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why I think if this was an early episode and they could just kind of like have it be the alien thing, mm-hmm. but it's like that was why we needed to team up. That threat is no longer here. So why are we still here? Yeah. I just, I didn't buy that after, you know, for us as viewers of the show, almost two whole seasons, two years more or less. But I think even in the universe itself, they've been doing this for at least a couple of years now. Yeah. More or less. And, and you know, they, they do try and make it a point of like, oh, it's actually Grodd's like slowly manipulating them into having these feelings or at least like bringing these feelings to the surface. Yeah. But at the same time, like we don't see Grodd actually, like when we ever see Grodd use his power, it's, you know, he's concentrating on using his power. It's not like this subconscious activity that he's doing. It's like, I'm sending these quiet brain waves over yeah. space. Well, and yeah, cause like that, you know, that is the opening of part two is they basically established that one Grodd has the psionic abilities that was somehow a result of the flash rewiring his mind control helmet from the brave and the bold from season one. Cause the last time we saw Grodd is that he was catatonic. Right. So they, they basically in like one quick sentence, more or less say, Oh, and this is now in, you know, setting up the beginning of part two, but the opening of part two, they start justifying some decisions at the end of part one. So it's like, Oh yeah. Grodd, uh, just somehow developed these psionic abilities. We're not going to talk about the fact that he was last seen catatonic and he's been slowly emotionally manipulating the league so that they're more inclined to say the things they wouldn't otherwise. Mm-hmm. And that does actually go a long way to justifying that decision for the league to break up. But I feel like that had to be set up in part one to make it actually play. Like no one believes at the end of part one that they're not going to get back together. So it's not a super effective cliffhanger. So why not go ahead and set up the real reason why they're breaking up in part one so that it does feel a little more earned and justified because it's not like we actually expect this to be the end of the Justice League, especially knowing there's a part two coming. Right. And, and dare I say, it has been a minute since I've pitched such a... a an offhand idea. Oh God, are you are you proposing a part three and four to really stretch these out? <laughs> I'm proposing a part three. A whole part three that's just a long flashback sequence to how Gorilla no, Grodd escaped no, no, no. his prison. But they need, you know, I, I think it's important that Grodd brings up the distinction of mind control mm-hmm. versus kind of bringing up suppressed feelings, yeah. which is kind of what it sounds like he's doing. Yeah is he's just raising the tension in the group. He's not getting them to do anything they wouldn't want to do. He's just holding back their inhibitions. Yes. Yeah. And so I think a part three needs to be kind of what I said at the top of we need a a reconcile moment of the team to show that like, oh, we are best and we're together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the end of part two, you can have it of like, okay, we, we did it, but, you know, we still said a lot of shit. And I still kind of believe it. Like, yeah. you know, even though I was influenced, it, they're still my thoughts and my feelings. And I still think I would do better without you. So you need something to come in and show them that, like, they are fractured apart. 
Except for Batman, because he's always fine. Because he's always fine on his own. Yeah, they don't. Or even just Batman being the one that has to bring them back. He's like, hey, like, I know I'm good at this, and I know you're okay at this, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I still will need to call you occasionally once a year for a Halloween special. (laughs) Halloween special. Because, yeah, there's never really an effective reconciliation point in this episode, nor is there a really a good resolution to their breakup. So when we start out in the beginning of the second part, um, you know, the, the group has been broken up and we figure out that Grodd has been emotionally manipulated them to encourage them to do that, but he's not done with them. He needs to recollect them all together again so we can defeat them um, on the world's largest stage at American football field. Absolutely. <laughs> but to, you know, to get there, he has to capture them all again, which again seems a little bit silly. Like, he had them all last time. Yeah. He could have just done this the first time around, but I guess he had to splinter them off so then he could, one would think, take them out one by one, which he starts to do, but then it changes. So after the league is broken up... Well, it was a scheduling conflict. He, <laughs> he was trying to get the next Gotham City game, then he realized it's an away game. Oh, uh, like, okay. No one really cares about Central City's football team. Yeah, that's true. And so they're like, yeah, but like, there's not going to be the same attendance in the Central City game. So like, I know there's another game happening three days earlier. So how about instead of going for like each of them individually one day at a time, we just like compress it, get four in one day. We can have a day off to just kind of relax. Maybe, you know, go to go get a massage. You just go kind of, like I heard there's a great hike where you walk by a waterfall, which would be oh, pretty fun. Yeah. And then we can go and show them off at Gotham City after that. That's true. He, he likes a plan, Grodd. Yeah. This is all very deliberate. But yeah, so the, the league has kind of been split apart. And so what I will say about this, even though I, I think that the contrivance of having them separate is a little bit silly, it does give an opportunity for, I think, a handful of really good character moments mm-hmm. that I liked a lot. So the first one that comes to mind is uh, the Flash decides he's going to go find Shade on his own. And so to do that, he's going to interrogate some of the Shade's henchmen, and he's going to do it Batman style with literally like dangling the guy off the side of a building. And the guy doesn't buy it. He's like, "You're not Batman. Like, yeah. What What about this? You think is going to work? Like, you are not you're that the guy. jokester. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to do anything mean. And so one, it's fun to see the Flash try to employ the methods of his other teammates. You know, like especially Batman, who I think he does really look up to, and we see little moments here and there of him trying to not only prove to Batman that he is an effective hero, but also try to learn from Batman. Yeah. So he has that moment of like, okay, I'm going to try your methods. And when it doesn't work, I love it. He just drops the guy and then just runs down the side of the building next to him. Like, yeah, you want to talk now? And it's yes, fine, fine. I'll talk. But it it is, it's a clever like twist. And then a twist on a twist Mm -hmm. of him trying something different and not going the way he wants it to. And then he just employs his kind of old methods anyways, but slightly darker edge. It's a really fun moment. It was. And I think sometimes the flash shines best when he does get to operate on his own. I think otherwise he, I think when he's with the rest of the league, he does kind of blend in and just kind of serves as the jokester in a lot of ways. But when he's on his own, he proves that he's actually very effective at what he does. He's a really good hero. Um, So I liked that moment a lot. And then, yeah, we, he basically, we, he does end up getting captured and after all this, and then he calls, seemingly calls Batman for, for help. And then when Batman shows up, Flash is standing over, the body of the shade, right? I forget who he's standing on top of. He's like, hey, I got him, yo. Yeah. <laughs> and then Batman just pulls out a grapple gun, fires it into his chest, and electrifies it, and we immediately see that it's Clayface. Because if Clayface is one thing, is he's a terrible actor. <laughs> yes. I, I love that that has come back. 
the yo from the flash commercials mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> or, or even just like the concept of clayface not being a great actor yeah because obviously that is one of our favorite parts of harley quinn yes. series <laughs> um but yeah and, and i also love to think that like this isn't the first time batman has tried that before yep and like that's just how he passively gets his aggression out against members like i had to make sure you weren't yeah, uh, you know, someone a, in disguise. You know this is the only way I could have done it. So yeah. I threw a battering at your head. Because his reasoning is that if it were the Flash, the Flash would have been fast enough to miss the grapple, which I suppose is true. But also, even if it wasn't the Flash, or even if it was the Flash and got electrocuted, Batman wouldn't care. Right, and that, that's the point. He wouldn't be too upset like, about it. He would absolutely it. throw a battering at Hawk Girl, knowing that she could stop it with her mace. Yeah. So just had to make sure. You never know. Clayface is loose. That's the training that he's been doing with them this entire time is he's basically just waiting to like spring an attack on them and see how they fight back. That's the other thing with the training of like, I want to see them do the training montage again now that they know like villain specific training. Yeah. And then it's just Batman hiding behind a barrel and like jumping and, la- and like latching <laughs> onto Superman's back of like, I'm Parasite. How do you handle this? <laughs> ah! Spider monkey. Honestly, like as much as I like these episodes, I want to see that. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. Like, no, no, that that's a fun moment though when he does the grapple, and then I also really like the moment when John Stewart is talking with Hot Girl. Yes. So I wanted to bring this up too because mm-hmm. this is something that I've brought up before, but this is taken straight from the comics. Oh, is it? Yes, from the few that I've read. <laughs> that comic knowledge really coming in handy. It is this time. This time. <laughs> um. And I, I brought it up before when Hal is gone under the control of Parallax and at the beginning of the Rebirth series, um, or maybe this is even uh, pre-Rebirth, mm-hmm. uh, there's a great conversation between Guy and John, which is this, I think, almost word-for-word word conversation. Oh, okay. Where, as I've mentioned before, like the, the Green Lanterns of Earth are so good at what they do because they don't just blindly take orders like mm-hmm. you see so many of the other Lanterns do. And it's because of their individualism. And like John specifically, as, as we've mentioned a handful of times, is almost constantly his entire life part of a very regimented organization, be it yeah. the Marines, the Lantern Corps, the Architects Guild. Very regimented. <laughs> very, very serious, that group, yeah. Uh, but he's, you know, him and Hal are both, you know, notorious for always standing up for what they believe is right, mm-hmm. even if it goes against what they've been taught is right. Sure. And so when you see John, who just kind of like folding to the pressure of what, of, you know, of his soldierhood mm-hmm. and, you know, you can't, you know, if Hawkgirl saying we are still individuals, but you're not letting us be individuals. That is so hitting him in his core of like, that's right. And then which, I was uh, which core, the Marine Corps, or the Green Lantern Corps, the Marine Corps. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the Architects Corps. The Architects Corps. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she says, you wanted us to stop being individuals. We are all just soldiers to you. And that is so powerful for John to hear, seeing that, like, I've become what I've feared most. Yeah. I've become fear. Yeah. I've become fear of individuality, mm-hmm. which in any sense of fear is is against his his lantern code yeah. and also against his, his willpower. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, it's so good. It's such a good single line moment. If it you is. have to understand is so integral to his character. Yeah. You know, we don't see that character as much in the series, 
but in the in the wider universe of DC, it is it is a very important fact for him to see what he is becoming. Yeah, but I agree with you though. It's it's important to John Stewart as a character across all mediums, but I think it still applies to him very much in this show, too. Like he is the guy who wants to be like part of a, a more militaristic unit. Like he wants everyone to work as a team. And yeah, I, I think not only is it a good conversation that highlights who he is as a character, but you know, it's also doing a little bit of work to set up like further that relationship Yes, too. Cause he says, you know, well, what do you mean? I don't see you as individuals. Like I would die for you. And Hawk girl just says, you don't know what you're talking about and, and flies off, you know, but it's the idea that she wants to be seen as something very special to him in particular. And so the idea that he's basically just treating them all like interchangeable units in an army, which make her personally even more than anyone else. And, you know, she was the right character to choose to have that conversation with him. Right. And it's, it's probably one of the best moments in this whole thing. And in a, in a, an episode that overarching structure, maybe kind of okay, but it is filled with great moments. And I think you're right. I think that's probably the best one here. Yeah. It's really touching and it gets to the core of those characters. Um, no, I, I love it. And you know, it, it propels him on a mission then to figure out what's going on. Cause he finally notices the weird little floating camera right, behind him. would have noticed immediately. The man who misses nothing Batman somehow was missed that they've all been followed by these really blatant looking little floating eyeballs. Yeah. This entire time. The entire time. But Gio finally spots it. And so he, he blasts it out of the sky and then he pulls the comm out of it and, you know, decides to see where it takes him. And so what it does is it takes him to like this underground mountainside cave. But basically it's just the bat cave more or less. Yeah. Like, it's the grod cave. The grod cave. The grotto. The gr- That's good. I was going to say gorilla <laughs> grove, but grotto is much better. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, so he, he, it leads him there where he discovers that um, he's the last league member standing, right? They've captured everyone else. So we think. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because I, I guess we forgot the part where they all get different messages from different other leaguers. The rest of the league does like, oh, hey, like, I got a call from Flash. Oh, I got a call from Batman. What are we doing here? And then they get taken out in like five minutes. Yes, but it, it is one of the best fight sequences between Manhunter and Clayface. It is a good fight that sequence. That is fantastically yeah. animated. It is really beautifully animated. We get to see both of them fully embracing their shape changing and going head to head. Yeah, two puddles of water clashing. Exactly. <laughs> Everything we said we hated about the Venom movie <laughs> was this fight Exactly, scene. it's just here, but it's done better. But yeah, because Clayface even takes on the persona of Martian Manhunter. And so one of them gets frozen by Icicle, and of course we assume it's M.M. Yeah, well, because we see the, the Manhunter standing turn back into Clayface. Oh, that's right, yeah. Exactly. So GL thinks he's the last one, and so he goes there and he finds everyone captured, and he you know tries to lead the other villains away with his you know little laser Again, decoy. Good strategy. It separate. Is. It, it's exactly Grodd's strategy. It's it's separate then destroy. Exactly. Yeah. And he goes in and tries to rescue them, but of course he ends up failing. So then they're all gathered up together, and then Grodd takes him in his massive Brainiac style ship over a football game between the Gotham Knights and the something else that I have forgotten. Century City Sentinels. Thank you. I have no idea. That's just my guess. I You're probably a right. Name. You're probably right. And of course, they, they interrupt in the middle of the halftime show, which this is just a personal note for me. I was really hoping that was going to be Cassidy, the, uh, the pop star from the Firefly episode. Yeah. I look, I get why there's no reason to have it be that. They choose like some other... Teen Aspires. Exactly. It's some new character entirely. But it would have been fun just as a small callback to see like that character pop up again. Mm-hmm. Um, small note there, but you know, so now that's, they're literally going to have the two of them, like the two teams basically go face to face in the middle of this football field. Cause 
you know, surprise, it's actually Clayface inside the ice and Martian Manhunter breaks all the rest of them free. And then it, it becomes like, I mean, it is what the Weekly Planet does in like their superhero versus battles. It's literally like two teams or two individuals going against each other on an American football field. It's super cheesy. Yeah, no prep, no weapons. Yeah, exactly. Super cheesy. I actually loved it, though. I absolutely loved yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it... In, any other version of this, it would seem so silly. I mean, it's not necessarily in the middle of broad daylight, but it's in the middle of a stadium, so it's really lit. There's a huge audience watching this happen. I mean, this is the most exposed Batman has ever been in his entire life. Yeah, he hates it. Like, the number of people who have actually seen Batman in person, like, just exponentially grew by being in the middle of a football field. Yeah. Because he's an urban legend still, more or less. Not anymore. And especially it being in Gotham. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so now people know that there's a Batman. They yeah. all saw him. But it's it's a fun fight at it, the end of the day. It's very fun. And it, it's, the, it's the classic strategy of, hey, we fought the same people twice. How about we just like rearrange a little bit? Yeah. And everyone wins their own individual fights. Because it's Flash takes out Killer Frost instead of fighting Shade. Mm -hmm. Batman takes out Shade. Uh, where's the list? One woman takes out Parasite and Giganta. Mm -hmm. uh, Flash and Hawkgirl take out Clayface. After blowing him up, do they blow him up? Why am I remembering that? I think they do. I don't know. I forgot a yeah, lot of this. I, I have in my notes, after blowing him up, what the fuck? <laughs> why didn't they just freeze him? <laughs> okay. Uh, and then the, the great end button, Superman flicking Grodd on the nose. Yes. Sending him over the goalposts. Yeah. Right. Again, so cheesy. Yeah. But it works. It does. Just because it's... It's super fun. And yeah, it. to your point, they do change their strategy a little bit. It doesn't necessarily feel like a real Nothing resolution. Nothing they learned in training, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, that's the thing. is there's, there's, there's an arc set up here that's not followed through to the end. There's a starting point. There's a bunch of stuff that just kind of maintains at a constant level all the way through the episode. And at the end, they work together as a team. And the resolution is, well, what now? It's like, well, we just apologize and move on. Which, yeah, that's true. It didn't feel like there was a catharsis in right. any sort of way here. There's no resolution to the conflict. It's basically like, well, we realize that sometimes we don't work together and we're just not going to worry about it and move on. Mm -hmm. And it never really comes up again. Yeah, which is very adult man <laughs> conflict resolution. <laughs> we're just going to pretend there isn't a problem. Yeah. It's fine. This is fine. What, what's the, the John Mulaney joke? Uh, I'll display my emotions like an Irishman. I'll keep them all bottled up and then I'll die. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. That's basically just what happens here. Um, but I mean, you know, all that being said, I still like these episodes. I think there's so much fun. They're really fun. I think it's a really interesting batch of villains. Like I said at the top of the show, it reminded me of that last season of Betos where we had established villains and we did something different with them, right? They threw them in new situations. You know, Harley tries to go straight. Um, you know, the uh, ventriloquist actually does go straight properly. Like, it's, it's, they, the villain is trying to do something outside their norm. It's not them just trying to do the same thing again. You know, so in this case, it's not just an anti-justly trying to defeat the league, but trying to break them up and, you know, break their spirit rather than just literally punching them to death the way they would normally try in the past. So it, it was a nice way to, put a fresh take on a familiar archetype basically. And I, th I think for that, it's, it's good. They're really fun. I mean, this will be an interesting one to talk about when we get to our short list. Yeah. I think this is going to be 
a hard one to decide if it has to stay or not. I'm going to say yes already. All right. Well, I think it's great. We'll see when we get there. But no, I mean, overall, I, these are really fun. It, it was it was kind of a nice just... I found myself just watching these. Like, yeah. I, I, I wasn't taking super thorough notes because I was like, this is just really entertaining. I, I want it because we, we kind of brushed over to the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two moments I want to bring up really quick. One, yeah. the hilarious... Villains doing trust falls. Was oh my one god! One of the funniest moments we've seen in this. Series. I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then Giganta being worried Killer Frost won't catch her, and then obviously she doesn't catch her because Giganta is big, heavy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also Grodd's like thinking about the team, and I, I love this this thought process mm-hmm. of Shade worrying like, hey, I've been through this twice already, yeah. acknowledging the past two Injustice gangs, and we've always lost because someone offers them a bigger paycheck, Batman. Yeah. Um, he's like, oh, no, I specifically picked this team because they, they're a team not chasing paychecks. Yeah. Sinestro's here because I promised him Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Killer Frost is here because I promised her that she can just kill anything and anyone. Yep. Uh, Clayface is here because, you know, I, I told him that I can not just revert his humanity, but also let him keep his power while still being human. Right. Uh, you're here because I know you want to be the world's greatest thief, and mm-hmm. I can give that to you. Gigant is here because I guess she used to be my ape daughter, maybe. I don't think it was daughter, but yeah, it, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I didn't do a lot of research on her. I think she's had different origins in the comics. I think this is based off of like an older version of her that maybe was also one of the gorillas in Gorilla City, and then she yeah, changed that, somehow. Yeah, this whole thing felt very weird. And you know, I think it was... Because I also wasn't sure if it was a lie, because it might have just been a lie for Clayface. True. It could have been. Uh, yeah, his whole thing with Giganta is that she's super loyal to him. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, and then Parasite wants to take out Superman. Right. Yeah. So it's it's all based off of basically Grodd's promises. Yeah. Instead of money, which I think is is genius. You know, mm-hmm. obviously there's its own problems, and it, it is the foil of the villain of having this kind of hubris of thinking I can give you the world. Mm-hmm. But I mean. You raise a good point, though. This iteration of the secret society succeeds where the Injustice Gang failed because no one betrays them. Right. Like, they they make the mistake of letting Martian Manhunter swap himself out with Clayface. But, like, that was... Yeah, they of, couldn't really do anything about that. They couldn't really do anything about it. So it wasn't like Killer Frost, like, froze them on her own accord. Like, Grodd kind of gave her the, the, the thumbs up. Like, yeah. gave her the... Uh, the go-ahead? Oh, the, the, the Roman Emperor, like... yeah. Thumb up, thumb down. Yeah. Grodd gave him the thumbs up on like, okay, we did it. We beat him. Now you can freeze him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't like any individual messing up. Like they did kind of the best they could. Yeah. Grodd, like in, in his own way, was as successful as a plan could get. No, it's true. It wasn't from their own folly that they failed. The league actually did just get the best of them and yeah. only through the, the narrowest of chances. Yeah. Which, which is why I think I enjoy this episode so much is yeah. it's not... There's no, no one's tripping at the finish line and that's mm-hmm. what caused their defeat. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, the secret society is way better than the injustice game. Absolutely. <laughs> Cause Grodd's a better bad guy than Lex Luthor. He is. Cause he actually, you know, they always talk about how smart Lex is. Yeah. But he always thinks with this wallet and any opportunity he can. Yeah. Well, and his ego, that's the big yes. thing. Yeah. And not to say that Grodd doesn't have an ego, but I think Grodd is just much more strategic and succumbs less to his, um, like, ego and his passions right and you know that that is also our favorite subplot of red sun mm, yeah is we see the strategic side of lex but also having that come in conflict with the ego side yeah 
Yeah. No, he he is a great character, and the DCU mostly does a pretty good job with him. But yeah, I think in this situation, Grodd is just a better version. Yeah. And, you know, I think up until he kind of teams with Brainiac. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, when that's... he kind of... Again, but that's also an ego thing, because then he just realizes he can do it all himself. Yeah. No, I mean, Lice is going to continue to have interesting story arcs throughout JLU. Yeah, brain swapping. Oh, yeah. Best story arc. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I yeah. don't know who this is. <laughs> yeah, who is that? I don't know. But yeah. No, I... Yeah, these are good. These are really fun. I liked them. I did too. Yeah. Trust falls. Villain trust falls. Villain trust falls. Such a silly moment. Works perfectly. Yeah. The, the, I, would, I would love the heroes having to do trust falls and Batman, like, Batman being like, yeah, I can catch you, Superman. Just fall. And Superman like falling as slow as he could because he's just hovering he's just... <laughs> until he finally gets to Batman. He's like, you don't trust me. Yeah. Batman just walks away. Yeah. Doesn't even say anything. <laughs> just, just glares, narrows his eyes, turns around and walks away. Uh, all right. Well, anything else on these or should we, uh, should we move on here? I think, I think that covers everything. I, like I said, I minus my one caveat of yeah. priority targeting <laughs> with my video game logic. I liked your video game logic. Thank it was you. solid. It was very, very solid. Very well thought out. Thank you. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's mosey on here. Why don't we do some bad plugs, Cameron? What do you got to plug let's this do some week? Plugs. There's, so we bring this podcast up pretty often of, mm-hmm. uh, what this format is based off of right. the weekly planet podcast. Yeah. We literally brought them up earlier this episode. We did. Yeah. Um, but I recently started subscribing to their kind of side podcast. Mm-hmm. They have, they have a whole network called uh, big sandwich co because the idea is their network costs as much as a big sandwich would per month. So it's a, it's a subscription based service. Yeah. Uh, but they have a, I think it's a hilarious series just based off of my own past with these kind of, I'm going to call them scam articles is what they are. These, um, well, they're, they're clickbait. Yeah. They're clickbait articles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but one of the most egregious companies that do this is a, is a website called we got this covered.com. Mm-hmm. So they have a podcast called we got, we got this covered covered. Yes. Uh, which is them going over the, the best and worst of clickbait over the week mm-hmm. and dissecting the stupidity of these articles. And it is so much fun and just so nice to hear like how stupid because I don't read a lot of these. You know, you see the headline, you're like, what is this? <laughs> I thought you were just gonna say, I don't read a lot. <laughs> I don't read. <laughs> uh, but it is a very fun if, if you have if you're very interested in this side world, we got this covered covered is a very, very fun, funny podcast. Yeah. Um and then I don't think I brought this up last week because I think I was on my Nick kick last week. Uh, but I started rewatching the Green Lantern series on HBO Max. Oh yeah. Um, it is okay. Okay. I, th- I think it's still worth a rewatch, but after finally watching Clone Wars, this is just a Clone Wars clone. Okay. Is that, I think it is Cartoon Network slash Warner Brothers trying to jump on the hype that was Clone Wars of the time. Because mm-hmm. this would have been around because it's season four, season five of Clone Wars uh, when, it, when it came out. Mm-hmm. And it's still good. It's still fun, but it, it is kind of sorry, not Clone Wars. I'm I'm wrong. It is it is kind of what Rebels became. I think Rebels oh, okay. did it better. Of it's the Green Lanterns going to beyond the 3600 sectors and trying to find kind of voyage Green Lanterns mm-hmm. to take down the new threat of the Red Lanterns. Mm-hmm. And so it's them finding lesser trained lanterns for Hal and Kilowog to train in order to defeat a greater villain okay. who is also hunting them down to take their ring energy. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That classic, like the heroes and the villains are after the same person. Yeah. 
kind of like the first season of X-Men Evolution. Who, yes, who will that's go a better to, example because I was yeah. going to say Jackie Chan Adventures. <laughs> who will go to which side? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not really like who will flip as much as like the Red Lanterns just want to kill all the Green Lanterns. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, makes sense. The Red Lanterns. Yeah. So. Um, but it's good. You know, uh, St. Walker is my favorite character in the Green Lantern universe. He's mm-hmm. the, the head of the Blue Lantern Corps. Uh, and I forgot how early we see him and he's so much fun in that series. Okay. He's an episode like three or four hmm. when you, when you meet Mogo, my mm-hmm. other favorite Green Lantern. The, the planet. planet. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think it's, you know, it's a nice kind of just like background show for a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's worth a watch. Yeah. All right. Nice. Uh, what about you? What have you been watching, listening, reading? Uh, I watched this last week, a movie I had never seen. I'm doing, I'm doing oh. a, a, that's Ke- rare for this for this podcast. Oh, I'm doing a, a catch up on um, like basically classic, not even like movies that are really popular amongst gay culture. I'm I'm expanding my my gay education, as it were, sort okay. of. Um, and so this last week, I watched uh, the best little whorehouse in Texas with Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds. Okay, is that is that the one where she, what's is that the one where she sings nine to five? So that's nine to five. <laughs> Where she sings, Great. where she sings nine to five. But the, what I didn't realize is uh, the song "I Will Always Love You," the Whitney Houston mm-hmm. made most famous in The Bodyguard, originated in this movie. Okay. So Dolly Parton wrote that song for this movie, which was not part of the original musical. I think that the movie's based off of. It was original to this, but then it just took on its this entirely new life and context with The Bodyguard. Um, but I mean, the whole idea is that Dolly Parton is running the best little whorehouse in Texas, and that like you know she you know, constantly gives money to the, the neighborhood and it's like a staple and they have these rules and, you know, it's, it's part of the community. Everyone loves it. And the local sheriff played by Burt Reynolds is kind of keep an eye on them. But then this TV investigator played by the just over the top Dom DeLuise decides he's going to expose the whorehouse for what it is and, you know, causes all this mess to unfold. It's really cute. It's really, really uh, fun and funny. That sounds very cute. Like, it sounds like a kind of like a more wholesome version of hustlers the funny thing is it is super wholesome yeah like it's never really very lewd or crude i would never expect dolly Parton to be to do such a thing yeah like there there is there is a a, like a little bit of nudity as you would expect from an american movie of that era yeah but not as much as it could be and not as like gratuitously as you would get in like other more like maybe male focused like straight male focused kind of quote-unquote rom-coms or raunchy comedies at the time. Yeah. But actually, is super wholesome. And, like, I love Burt Reynolds. And, you know, you always think of him as this classic, classic tough guy, and he is a tough guy in this movie. But he also has a sensitive side that he does let come through, especially in this film. It's super cute. It also has um, an extended sequence with a college football team where, like, they've won the game, and then it's them, like, going, like, taking on showers and then getting ready to go to the whorehouse to celebrate. And it is one of the gayest things I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Like, it made me even more gay watching it. Good. If I, I must have told you about this, this horrible, wonderful musical, Give It Up. You must have mentioned it at some yeah, point. It's, it's a high school musical parody. And I watched it with my mom on Valentine's Day about 10 years ago now. Wait, dare I ask, is it called Give It Up because it's about people losing their virginity? Close. Okay. Um, it, is, it is a college where the basketball team is so bad at basketball 
that the cheerleaders refuse to have sex with them until they win a game. Okay, you have you have told me about yes. this. Yeah. It, if anyone can find it, I I think it was only <laughs> on for like a short stint in Dallas. But like I would love to rewatch that now because I think it is such an absurd. Holi- so like the quick, super fast. The the uh, the cheerleaders refuse to have sex with the basketball players. So the basketball players go to the local whorehouse that's obviously in the college town and start sleeping with the prostitutes. Yeah. Uh, and then the cheerleaders are upset, and so they go to the pimp who teaches them how to be better sex workers. Oh my god! <laughs> in order to seduce the basketball players again, and then repeat the cycle and make sure they. And then in the end, they finally win a basketball game, and everyone gets to have sex. Uh, that, and it is <laughs> there's so many layers to that. Amazing! It is amazing. So, there's not something to watch with your mother on Valentine's Day <laughs> when you're in high school. Amazing, but like now, I would love to rewatch something like that. All right. Well, let me see if I can track down a version of it so I can throw it into the plugs. Yeah. Here, give it up. All right. <laughs> it is absurd. But so okay, a couple of fun camp recommendations there, and the the last plug I have is uh, actually a recommendation from a listener. Oh, uh, so a regular contributor to the show, Jake, aka the Overvoid on Twitter, uh, yes. one of our good podcast friends. He uh, had recommended listening to the Assassin's Creed Black Flag score. Okay, um, which is in its in its own a fun score. Are there sea shanties? There's sea <gasps> shanties. Oh shit! So it is like it. Also, just a normal score, like a really good kind of Pirates Caribbean S score, um, primarily from Brian Taylor with some other contributors as well. Um, but then there's like 20 some odd sea shanties in there as well. Amazing. So I'll, I'll link the album, like the master album that has all of it. But it's it's both a good score, like a good fun, like action packed, like listening, a pump up energy score. And then just a, a shitload of really fun sea shanty. Amazing. I am <laughs> immediately <Stop>. in. <laughs> it's Jake, you've started to get me on the sea shanty trend. Yeah. For, for it, good it or is- bad. It is hilarious that that is the the theme of 2021 is sea shanties. I'm here for it. Yeah. Honestly, I'm here for it. Uh, All right. But that's it for plugs. So uh, Cameron, I think you got a question for us this week. So what do you got? I do have a question. I have have a pretty simple question. And this Mm -hmm. is one that I think everyone kind of has their own answer to. Um, But if you had to pick one member of this Justice League to have an individual series like Batman or Superman had, who would you pick and what would you want their overarching villain to be? And also, if, if you want to think beyond this team of seven, mm-hmm. uh, if you can extend it to any member of the JLU, who would you want to have kind of their own animated series? Okay. So now, do you want, I have up here on my computer the roster for the JLU. Oh. Should I go through it real quick? Just for the, well, let's do it. For the Why single, not? not? Not we're not gonna go through one by one and be like, would this make a good show? I'm gonna <laughs> list all of them. Blue Devil. What does his <laughs> so, main villain look like? Just in case the listeners are trying to remember some of the more esoteric characters they might want to see. So obviously we have the the main seven. I don't think that bears repeating at this yeah. point. You know who they are. Beyond that, we have Aquaman, Adam, Adam Smasher, Aztec, Buana Beast. I fucking love Buana Beast. Uh, Black Canary, the aforementioned Blue Devil. Booster Gold, Captain Adam, Captain Marvel, Commander Steel, Creeper, Crimson Avenger, Crimson Fox, Dr. Fate, Dr. Light, Dr. Midnight, Dove, Elongated Man, Etrigan, Fire, Green Arrow, Gypsy, Hawk, Hawkman, Hourman, Huntress, Ice, Johnny Thunder, Long Shadow, Metamorpho, Mr. Terrific, Nemesis, Obsidian, Orion, Plastic Man, Question, 
Ray, Red Tornado, Rocket Red, Stripe, Sand, Shining Knight, Speedy, Stargirl, Starman, Steel, Supergirl, Thunderbolt, Vibe, Vigilante, Vixen, Waverider, Wildcat, and Zatanna. Yeah, I, I was trying to envision them all in my head as you were going, and it gave me a headache. <laughs> Look, there are some I, ones... I, I know, like, 80%, I think, yeah, at this there, point. There's some ones that even I, like, barely remember, because they're just not featured a lot, even with yeah, the JLU. Yeah, they're kind of just, like, background shots. Yeah, so there you go. For anyone who's trying to remember the full roster of the JLU, there you have it. Cameron, what is your answer? Who would you like to see a show? I mean, obviously Green Lantern. <laughs> even though we have a Green Lantern animated series? Yeah, but not this... Because I'm basing it off of this DCAU. So you want a Green Lantern show based around a Green Lantern that never makes constructs. No, but he would. <laughs> would he now? Are you sure? Yeah. Because he hasn't so far. Well, because, you know, I... Like we see in the Green Lantern show and in the comics that I mentioned uh, ad nauseum last week, there's so many other Lantern stories and you can have John kind of bouncing sector to sector, helping out other Lanterns yeah. that they need... You know, and he can learn from them at the same time. Or you can just make it... I don't want an origin story. Never mind. I I, I still think it would be fun. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love for an overarching villain. I think it would be too far for them to do something like this. But I think Black Hand would be an awesome... He's, he's the, the leader of the Black Lantern Corps. Okay. Who, who revives everyone after Final Crisis. Mm -hmm. Um I think that would be fascinating as a comic, as, as a TV villain, because it would take a couple seasons for him to like really get into his power. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just having someone create a zombie army of villains and heroes is such a cool concept. But I think the better answer is Flash. I think Flash deserves his own series. Okay. So uh, this version of the Flash? Yeah. And who would you want the main villain to be? That's a good question. I mean, I feel like there's, they always set up Grodd to be kind of his nemesis. I don't know who I'd want his arcing villain to be. G give me a second. G give me your answer. And okay. Then, then we can look back. Yeah, it's, it's kind of tough because there are a lot of favorite characters that I have that I would love to see get their own shows. Part of the challenge is a lot of them have gotten their own shows, not necessarily in animation, but say in live action on the CW right, or, yeah, yeah. Flash or and elsewhere, right? Got a series. You know, it's like, I, I love Green Arrow. I think he's super interesting, mm -hmm. you know, and I watched a good chunk of Arrow, but it was his own kind of different thing. Like the idea of maybe a show based around Black Canary, Black Canary and Green Arrow could be super yes. fun. I mean, my initial thought was the question, but he gets so much screen yeah, time. Yeah, season two is basically him and... Um, Huntress. Huntress. Like, yeah. they get so much time together. I don't know if there's that much more you can do. Like, Booster Gold would be fun, but does that joke work beyond just, like, the one episode we get based around him? I don't really know if it does. I mean, I, I think... I think I would like to see a, a magic-focused show. Mm -hmm. So you're talking Dr. Fate, Etrigan, Zatanna. I um, love Zatanna series. Yeah, and you're getting kind of into the space a little bit of Justice League Dark there yeah. and and some of those animated movies are some are better some are worse they're they're kind of okay overall but i think that is at least an area of the dcau that is touched upon at points 
you know, previous week's episodes being a great example of that, the, the magical realm of all of this. But I think there's so much unexplored ground there. And I think those three characters are so interesting even on their own. And they would have an interesting dynamic together that that's the one that I would, I would pick would be uh, a magic based show primarily focused around those three. I would mm-hmm. say who, who would, would you want it to be Morgana or Clarion? Um, I guess that becomes a challenge, right? Is I, it, I don't know who you would get for, or even, um, Spectre. I think could be really interesting because Spectre and oh um, yeah fate are always clashing because they both have their own idea of the fate of the universe yeah and what justice means yeah sort of thing yeah I think I, I think I don't know if there was one villain I would want to see being like the the main antagonist but those are good examples I think yeah Clarion Morgan Le Fay Spectre you know again kind of a, a is he a villain is he not sort of thing would be really interesting mm-hmm. um, you know and there's other characters that. We don't really see, you know, Captain Marvel could fit into there very easily. Phantom yeah. Stranger. Um, Dead Man. De- yeah, okay. Love a good Boston brand. I love Dead Man. I know he gets an episode in JLU. There was also a time. Oh, does he? Okay, good. Because he, yeah. he has two or three episodes in Brave and the Bold. Yeah. And those are some of my favorite episodes. He's super interesting. He got a, um, a comic in the Gotham Adventures. So the comic series that was running concurrent to the new Batman Adventures. Um, he got one that kind of went into his whole backstory. Yeah. Which is pretty good. But yeah, he would be a really good person to throw in there too. I think he's super interesting and again, not super well explored. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that general magical realm of characters would be my choice. I like so, that. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah, like you said, Justice League Dark. Yeah. And I know he wouldn't fit at all, but I I don't think he, he could carry, he could carry a series. I will say that. I don't know how, but he could. But I would want Buona Beast <laughs> to be... What Aquaman, I mean, I guess I just want the wannabes from Brave and the Bold to interact with Justice League Dark. Yeah. Where Etrigan and Damien, Damien Blood, that's his name, Jason right? Blood. Jason Blood, thank you. Yeah. Um, where Jason Blood is just like, he just like puts up with it. And Zatanna is just like, yeah, come on. Come on, guy. Let's just have some fun. Yeah. Uh, but everyone else in the story is like, why is he here? <laughs> like, what does he contribute? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Buonic Beast gets much more to do in Brave and the Bold than he really does. In He's so much fun. DCU. He, that whole show is super fun. Yeah. I love it. Um, but did you figure out who you want your villain to be of your, your Flash show? Just Mark Hamill. Just, Mar- <laughs> just the character actor Mark Hamill. You're just thinking of that Trickster episode. Huh? I am. Yeah, it's one of the best episodes. It is. It's a really good moment. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there can be an overarching villain. I think I think if they do a Flash in the style of Brave and the Bold, where there's no real main villain. Yeah. But it's just Flash kind of doing his thing. Yeah. I mean, that was Betos too, right? I mean, the Joker is the most popular of all the villains and that and most iconic, but the whole show was just built around a huge rogues gallery. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like the Flash's rogues gallery might work a little bit better in animation than it did say you know, in a more grounded version on the CW. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would love that. Yeah, and I'm trying, some, I'm some trying Captain to Captain Cold, like, some yeah. Heat Wave, Mirror Master. Music Maestro. Yeah, whatever, whatever version. Master. Yeah, whichever version. Yeah. I, don't, I can't keep track of them. They all have almost the exact same name. So, uh-huh. no, let's just have all the villains played by either Neil Patrick Harris or Mark Hamill. Yeah. And then one episode where they're playing each other. Of course. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. isn't there... What is what is, is it? Brave and the Bold, where Joker kidnaps Mark Hamill. Uh, Justice League action. That's what it is. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have not seen a lot of. I've, I've seen that segment though. 
which is yeah, pretty funny. Because it's Joker and Trickster teaming up, and they yeah. kidnap Mark Hamill. He plays all of the other characters yeah. in the episode, basically. It's fantastic. So Such a good concept. What, what a gift of the world, Mark Hamill. And then I'm, I'm trying to think if I would pick, like, who from JLU I would pick. Because obviously Green Lantern and Flash are from the original core. Mm-hmm. My first thought is Vixen, but we also got an animated we Vixen got an animated series. Vixen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, let, let me know what you guys think. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really interesting to hear people's thoughts on this. You mm-hmm. know, what? Yeah, what character would you like to see uh, get a little more screen time, get their own full series, or even you know, like a little mini series, maybe? Yeah, we'll say because Vixen was eight, ten minute shorts. Yeah, we'll say a little bit more than that. We'll, we'll give you the the ten episode run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, a first season of an animated show. Yeah. yeah, ten to thirteen episodes. Yeah, nice and tight. Mm-hmm. So, and then based off your pitch, we'll determine if you get a season two. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we'll think about it. Yeah, we've we've got notes. So, but yeah, would love to hear people's uh, answers to that. And so along those lines, we have some notes from friends this week. We do. Yeah. Um. So the uh, aforementioned uh, Jake, aka the Overvoid, wrote in with his suggestions for DC theme park rides. Oh, good. I'm he would like to see. This. Uh. So he suggested Metropolis Land with mm-hmm. a roller coaster that replicates a POV of Superman flying through the city, like it oh, weaves fun. in between building structures and stuff like that. Maybe goes up into space or something. That would be, I think, a really cool, fun ride. Yeah. So at uh. Shanghai Disney and soon to be at Walt Disney World, they were getting the Tron coaster. Wait, they're putting it at Disney World? They are. It's <laughs> opening next year. It's like almost done. Oh my good God. Yeah. And so if people have never seen it, it is a roller coaster where you were riding on a Tron cycle. So you were, yes. you were mounted like you're on a motorcycle. Yeah. So you, you were facing, you know, like you're laying on your stomach facing forward. Yeah. And so I think if you did a Superman ride like that, you do have to be in the Superman position yeah. somehow. Exactly. One arm out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think that'd be a fun one. Uh, his other suggestion was um, kind of a, something like Savvy's Workshop, but for Oa, where you go through and you make, or like a Build-A-Bear situation, but you go through and make your own rings and you make your own lanterns and you could choose from any core you wanted. I am shivering. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I would love something like that. Cameron, you're going to go immediately start saving money to start investing so you can build your own Green Lantern custom workshop, aren't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man, if I get my own Blue Lantern. Yeah. It, it would be super cool, you know, like, you know, kind of like even when building the droids, building a lightsaber, you can have like just slight little customizations on it here and there, like the classic looking lantern or like a more organic looking one, kind of like they did in the movie mm-hmm. sort of thing. Little variations on the style of the ring. Yeah. It'd be really cool. The suit. Yeah. Oh, and Cameron, you know what you would have to do, right? Kind of in the same way that they have the, the lighting ceremony at the end after you build your lightsaber. You have to say the oath. You have to say your oath. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And fearful day and raging out, which nope, I heard nope. the worst <laughs> now and all is lost the more of light. Look at the stars for hope and bright. Of course. Cameron, I've told you so many times, if you're going to do it, if you're going to f- make people listen to the oath, actually say the oath. Don't rush through it like you're embarrassed to say it. I'm not embarrassed to say it. Aren't you though? A little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just... Just a tiny little bit. Uh, it's fine. I have no room to judge. At one point in my life, I could read Kryptonian. Hey, I can still speak Nivean. You win? We, we've been over this. We, you, is it a win? I don't I, know. I must have shared that Disney World story on the podcast. Yes, you have. Okay. You absolutely have. So, And then I think you said you had a note that I, I missed. I did. Right? Yeah. I did. And it's very fitting that I share this note. <laughs> uh, oh, no. What did I do? Let me pull it up here. 
uh, on Facebook, we got a message from uh, Bernie Gonzalez, who's messaged, uh, messaged us a few times. Okay. Um, he's a comic artist. Did, and I, he, did I forget to respond? Uh, you've responded once <laughs> of three. Bernie, I'm sorry. Uh, but he has an amazing comic series, and I, I don't know if, if he has shared it online at all, but he, okay. he sent us the first two issues of a comic called Midnight Mystery. Okay, I'm, I'm bringing it up is, here. Yeah, the artwork is beautiful. Let's take a look at uh, this. It, it's very kind of... It's almost like a colored version of Dark Knight Returns. Oh, wow. Yeah, he says he's very inspired by Tim Cook um, and all of the BTOS animators and yeah. BTOS animation. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can see it. Yeah, this has a very Darwin Cook vibe to it, but it's like even just the, the opening cover is looks like a kind of Jack the Ripper sort of guy all in red with the swirling almost vertigo as Padamite. This is, yeah. Bernie, this is gorgeous. My apologies if I haven't, like, given you, like, yeah. Also, fair I, I commentary now, I now this. just realized that he has forgot a comma, and it's Tim, comma, Cook. <laughs> not he's very, Tim He's Cook. very inspired by the CEO <laughs> of Apple Computers, Tim Cook. Yes, I apologize for that. Bruce <laughs> Tim and Darwin Cook, yes. yes. But, no, I mean, like, Bernie, seriously, this is absolutely gorgeous. And uh, my, my apologies for forgetting to respond. I, I often forget to check Facebook. Uh, but the message he, he sent, which goes along with these two comics, which, uh-huh. again, I hope you can find them on. I hope, Bernie, you've posted them at some point. Yeah. Uh, his message is, uh, hey, Chris and Cameron, my name is Bernie. I'm a big fan of the show. Thank you for keeping me sane with new episodes during this Groundhog Day existence. And while I appreciate all the editing you do and put in, Chris, let Cameron rant about anime every now and then. God damn it. Hashtag free Cameron. <laughs> Look, I my le- voice will be heard, Chris. I let you talk about anime a lot last week. Did you? Well, you were mostly talking about how they're often shirtless, and so I let. Oh, that's true. I yeah. let you go. I went along with it. Yes. I I keep in way more than it makes it seem because I'm constantly threatening to cut stuff out. So yeah. I also don't listen to the episodes, so I don't know how much you do cut out. Exactly, which is problematic when you did start listening for a little while and you show up like, oh my God, you cut out this thing. Like, fuck, he knows. Now I know. I'm supposed to not be accountable, Cameron. You're right. Yes. Uh, but yes, thank you, Bernie, for, for sending in that message. No, thank uh, you, Bernie. Yeah, and um, no, thanks for sending these two. I, I actually, I promise here that by the time we record our next episode, I will have uh, read through these because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely blown away by this artwork. It is, it, like, I'm, I could have sworn I was looking at a Darwin Cook comic. Mm-hmm. It's um, incredible. Uh, and it looks like he has, this is a link tree. Uh, if you go to his Twitter, which is at uh, Midnight Mystery Comic, or at, sorry, uh, I Want Mystery, uh, he has a link to his comics on there. Okay, great. Then mm-hmm. I'll, I'll throw that in the uh, the plugs as well and give them a um, a proper shout. Yeah. On Twitter, because these are really, really beautiful. So well, well done, Bernie. And uh, my apologies <laughs> for the biggest responsive as I could have been. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, if like Bernie, you want to write it in and say hello and uh, you know support the free camera movement. Hashtag free camera. <laughs> hashtag free camera movement. Or if you have suggestions for which characters you would love to see get their own uh, proper story treatment, their own series, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I would recommend of those two, Instagram and Twitter is the more likely place that you'll get a response from me because I am often distracted and a terrible person. Yes, well, we both are. Yeah, you don't even bother. I don't. <laughs> so... You you basically just have washed your hands with the responsibility entirely. You do such a good job with it. But why would I? Why would I? Mess I that don't. Up? <laughs> Things slip through the cracks still. But that, 
that is where you can find us. Uh, and as I mentioned before, you can also find all of our episodes up on uh, YouTube as part of the new Pod Tower yes, yes. channel that we're doing in collaboration with the Watchtower Database and DCAU Review. Uh, so you can see the newest episode of the DCAU Review. It's a podcast like us that's put up on YouTube. They're covering the Batman Beyond episode, The Last Resort, which you may recall was the one where Terry's friend Chelsea is put into that like correctional that's right. This yeah. sort of thing. Pretty, uh, a pretty intense episode. So they're covering that. And then the Watchtower database recently put out uh, a video, which is fantastic. And it's uh, Maddie's girlfriend tries to guess the Justice League's powers. It's good. It's really good. It's, it's really good. fun. Uh, yeah. So check those out there. Yeah. There was a horrible, hilarious game show I saw on TikTok last night. And again, cut this out if it's too long, <laughs> um, where it was a, a football analyst having you guess, is this a uh, sorry, basketball analyst. Mm-hmm. Having you guess, is this a basketball player or someone that signed the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's, it's a very fun game. It's pretty good. Uh, it's kind of like my favorite game. Is it Bob Dylan or a kazoo? It's good. Yeah. That's very, very good. good. Um, but yeah, and then you can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Amazing. Uh, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore Adventures. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Well, that does it for us this week. We're back next week uh, with an episode I am super excited about, uh, Hereafter. Now, Cameron, do you know anything about this episode? Uh, not from the title. Then don't look up anything. Okay. I, I, I genuinely mean this. Like, for, I, I'm very excited to hear your reaction to this not having known anything about it or seeing anything about it. Okay. Um, but I really, really love these uh, two-part episodes about ready to come up. So Okay. Yeah. I, I'm excited. Yeah. So I will have no one spoil it for me. Yes. You mean me? I won't spoil yes, it for you? just you. <laughs> the only real threat to being spoiled in all of this. But yeah, super, super excited for that. Uh, next week, as we're kind of winding down our season of Justice League here, we're, we're approaching the, the final stretch pretty soon. Know, so sad. I mean, yeah. I'm excited for JLU, obviously, yeah. because that's, that's what I have minimal memories of. Yes, exactly. You you remember that stuff far more than you do this, most of which you haven't seen. Right. So, uh, no, very excited for that. But uh, until then, thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.